Hey ladies and gents and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, I'm joined by Jordan. Suit up, hunters. And Dom. Uh, uh, yeah, yep, hi. Uh, as special guest this week, we have Logan Moore. How's it going, Logan? I am not too bad. Thank you for having me back on the program this week. It's been a while. I don't even remember the last time you were on. It's been, it's been a very E3 long time. I think E3 2017, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I think you it were It was on... one of those preview episodes we did or one of the yeah i think it was one of the conference previews it wasn't was it ubisoft or bethesda no it was bethesda i think man yeah, bethesda sounds right i don't know it's been a while it's been a long while hopefully we have you back again this year for e3 as well uh thank you for joining us um the way we always start the show is uh what we've been playing recently and uh this week it was just a super busy week for me i didn't have time to really do anything i think the only thing i even played this week was a match of PUBG. um I think I got like second place or something, but I, I didn't really have time to play anything or watch anything. It was just super busy week for me. Um, yeah, so I really have nothing to contribute this week, guys, unfortunately. Uh, next week should be busy, though, so hopefully new stuff. What about you guys? So I've actually watched first couple episodes of uh, the show you recommended, The End of the Fucking World. Oh, yeah. Jared. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty cool. It's definitely got its own style. Um, I think that it uh, kind of borrows that style from a lot of different places, but it still mixes it together to have something fresh, so I'm enjoying it so far. Um, cool. As far as what I've been playing, um, I have... I didn't play any Neo this week. Um, oh! So I played through Inside, finally. Ooh. About time! <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I was like... Man, it's been over a year since this came out. I was like, oh shit, it's been like a year and a half, almost two at this point. So, um, yeah, I think it was, uh, I wouldn't say overrated, but overblown, like how fucking awesome it was. Because I remember the guy on the Xbox stage at E3 saying it was like one of the best games he's ever played or, any, or something like that. And uh, I wouldn't quite go that far with it. I think it's cool. I like it better than Limbo. Because um, I think they uh, were a lot more intuitive in the way they designed the puzzles and um, stuff just generally makes more sense throughout the game. Um, but of course, it's got a really cool atmosphere and art style. And um, I remember reading the article about how they were um, pushing their synthesizer through an actual human skull to make a lot of the sounds and uh, music in the game. And I was totally, you know, trying to pick up on that. It was really cool throughout the game. So. Um, crazy ending and uh, looked up the secret ending on YouTube that was cool as well um, but yeah it was a good experience and uh, played it through played it played through it in one night so um, yeah I enjoyed inside and um, there was something else something else oh finished destiny finished destiny 2 campaign um, gotta say the, the old <laughs> the, the old uh, Dominus boss battle at the end was was some bullshit. I feel like um, just I just didn't like the way it was designed. Um, I mean, it was beatable, obviously, but um, just the fact that he's so fucking powerful, and then you also have a bunch of his buddies just run around like shooting you in the back while you're trying to to get at him. And then there's a phase towards the end where he can hit you with this shock uh, wave type thing, and then it basically paralyzes you or it slows you down to where you can only just barely walk. 
And I really, not just in boss battles, but I dislike any time in a video game where it's like, okay, the enemy can attack you now, and that attack freezes you in place, which allows you to get attacked more and, it, you know, fucks you over even harder, basically. Um, so I'm really not a fan of any time I see that in a game, and that's obviously what that was. So um, didn't love that part of the ending, but I thought the story tied up pretty well. I'm... Uh, I'm down to play some more Destiny story campaigns in the future. So, yeah. Destiny is a cool game. That's all for me. It's, it's so f funny hearing you finish Destiny 2's campaign now during the current state of everything that's happening with everything else in Destiny 2. You know, because yeah. you're hearing about all the yeah, multiplayer yeah, yeah. stuff and all that stuff, and you're like, I finished the campaign. I liked it. It was cool. You know, it's like all this other nonsense happening. You're just like, I had a fun time with the campaign. Um, yeah, I, I saw that I had one shader, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not even going to worry about that, because I'm just not into the whole Destiny meta, so, yeah, yeah. I'm just enjoying my own little corner of the Destiny universe. Awesome. Uh, Dom, last week you were talking about Kingdom Hearts. Did you continue that journey? Mm, no, I didn't <laughs> even get a chance. Um And the, the more, it's, I feel like we just talked yesterday or something, because I have nothing new yeah, to talk about yep um i mean I, I tom and jared bit. come prepared <laughs> yeah I, I watched a little bit more uh clone wars on netflix that's what um, i'm talking about i meant to ask you last week yeah, you're in the chronological I mean, order right yeah yeah Which <laughs> is, is there the another list? order yeah well there's like a website list of like this is the order you should watch because it's chronological not the way they actually came out like uh oh, yeah okay that makes sense. It, the way they're ordered on Netflix, it matters yeah, a whole it's lot. dumb. I, I don't know. I, it makes more sense watching it through because I had originally just started watching it and watched the first couple episodes. I'm like, this is kind of just random. You know, it's like if as if you watched it on TV. Like, yeah, there's a lot know, of standalone stuff, standalone yeah. episodes and arcs. Yeah, but now I'm in the middle of a a, a pretty solid arc. I, it's just you know it's. It's a show, I guess. I, I hope it gets a little better, so I don't know. But that's about it. I mean, I didn't get a chance to play any more I Kingdom will say Hearts. this. Um, about Clone Wars, Dom, it has those episodes that are filler, and it has the episodes that are more uh, geared towards children or whatever. Right. Um, but some of those arcs specifically are fucking fantastic, especially as you get further into the series and even right up until the end. Um just basically they focus in on one specific character and uh give them a lot of good stuff a lot of crazy stuff to do and i really enjoy those different arcs throughout the series yeah i mean some of the writing is is you know kids show writing like kind of like you alluded to but i still do like um ahsoka she's pretty pretty solid i kind of wish she was she's in, awesome like, uh, one of the movies I, I mean we can wish a lot of things for the prequels but I don't know. I think she's a pretty cool character, but um, otherwise, I mean, it's you know, it's it's just kind of the show. It's just kind of it's not like blowing my mind, and it's not bad. I don't know. It's just kind of I like watching it and when I get some a few minutes here and there. But yeah, I don't think I played any games since we last talked. I have Call of Duty now sitting on top of my console, hmm. and I haven't even I haven't even put the disc in yet. So yeah. the newest yeah. one, World yeah, War World II. War Two. Yeah. Okay. yeah, interesting. I mean, I'm gonna check out that campaign. So yeah, well. I don't know, though. It's busy times for me. <laughs> uh, Logan, what about you? 
Yeah, I've been trying to play as much as I can, too. I, I told myself January and February would be the months where I try to get through my backlogs, and instead I'm just kind of going back to games like PUBG, like you said. Yeah, and it's yep. like I w- I'm wasting so much time when I have things I should be playing, I feel like. Uh, I've been playing a lot of PUBG lately on Xbox. Hell it's yeah. Still, it's still so bad <laughs> it's in very a lot janky. of ways. Yeah. But... Uh, I've put, I've put enough time into it at this point where I know all the controls. The menu the the menus, getting navigating the menus was the one big issue I had with it and I've played enough of it at this point where I know all the hotkeys and how to manage my inventory way quick way, way more quickly uh than when I first started. So that's been nice and has made the experience a little bit better. It's still got so many problems though. I don't I I just can't figure out why they almost copied one to one the PC version over to consoles instead of kind of adapting it natively for consoles because it really feels like you just plugged in an Xbox controller to your PC and started playing it like that. Well, yeah, I think it's, it's really twofold. it's really strange. It's twofold because I think they had a they hit they had to hit a release date. And it's a studio that's never worked on a console game, so it's like, well, yeah. what's the quickest way we can make this happen? Then you know, I think yeah. that's exactly why. But yeah, they have and, been showing and, constant updates. Like, there's been an update every they week. Have. So they have, and yeah. I and I'm noti- I've noticed that it's slowly getting better in areas where I used to have way more issues. Um, so that's good. Like I'm 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 playing it so much over the past few weeks that I am noticing the chain the updates every time they do roll out. So that's good to see. Um, but yeah, I'm playing more of that game than I should right now. Uh, I continue to dabble in Assassin's Creed Origins. That's kind of the one nice. Recently big game that. I've been playing a lot yeah. of lately. I really like that game a lot. I think that is one of the best open world games that has come out in the past few years, and I think that's saying a lot considering the number of great open world games we've had. Um, I really, I'm really enjoying what I've played so far. I think I'm about 12 hours in, so i still got a lot left. Um, but I'm p- been dabbling around with that right now. I uh, played Monster Hunter's beta last week. I'll probably be picking that up tomorrow because um, that's out. Yeah, that's out tomorrow. So I'll probably be picking that up to play that with some friends. And then the other thing I've been playing, which I can't touch on too much, but I can't say I've been playing it, is uh, Shadow of the Colossus remake on PS4. I have been uh, dabbling in that. Uh, it is stunning. Uh, if you have a 4K television and a PS4 Pro, you're going to be very pleased with that video game. Uh, <laughs> it's more Shadow of the Colossus, so it's not like there's anything really groundbreaking I can say about it. But, uh, yeah, it feels like that's the way that game has always meant to be played with those visuals and the text, the just the way it looks. It, like It feels like it is finally like the true form of what that game has always been, so that's really cool. So uh, worth, it, worth it if you haven't used played the same it ever? soundtrack? What's that? Two questions. Barrage you with questions. So, so many questions. Uh, if you could just answer both Dom and I's questions, <laughs> that'd be great. At um, the same time. Did you, do you know if they used the same soundtrack or remastered it or anything? Uh, it's the same sound. I don't know if they retouched it up. Um, it's the same soundtrack. It's not been changed or re-recorded or anything like that, but they might have done some I, I don't know what the audio remastering process is like with those things as much as i do with the visual process but yeah it's the same soundtrack yeah and the other question yeah <laughs> uh if you've never played it before like not even on ps2 or ps3 or whatever i'm assuming you're gonna say yeah you should definitely try it now mm-hmm. yeah for sure i i think it's like i would put it on a short list of like games i think you need to play before you die <laughs> like okay, that's how, right. that's how that's kind of how i've always viewed that game i think it is one of the best examples of video games as art or whatever you want to say 
Uh, I think it deserves a lot of the praise it's gotten. Um, and obviously, the controls and things like that, I know a lot of people have had taken issues with over the years, but those things have been, been fixed for the most part, I think, in this version of the game. Uh, so yeah, if you've never played it, then now is a, the perfect time to jump in, because I still think it holds up really well. That creature design is like, oof, some of my favorite in gaming, man. I love yeah. the, the Colossi in that. It's so different, too. Like, they all have, the, like, the same similar aesthetic of, like, the stone parts and, like, the fur and stuff, but they're mm-hmm. all so unique. Oh, man, so good. Um, yeah. I have a question with PUBG real quick. Have you been, because I've been playing a ton of it, too. Uh, have you been playing only solo? Uh, I actually do not play solo hardly at all. Uh, I have a group of three or four friends, cool. and we have been playing together probably every night. Yeah, I think I think that's a big difference between console and PC. Honestly, is like PC almost a majority of the time the the best stories for PUBG you hear are like people going in it solo and winning chicken dinners by themselves. And I think that translates to the controls and just people generally being better at FPSs on a PC because of the controller, uh, the keyboard and mouse. Yeah. Um, and on console, I think. Uh, playing with a group kind of alleviates a lot of those issues, especially with like um, the the loading in of the the assets in the game and uh, some frame rate dips here and there. I think like playing with a group and having people you can communicate with leads to a lot of success in it, which then turns to like a more spoiled approach to the game. Um, yeah. Like I constantly play with a group of three other people. Uh, three to four of the people like we swap out and out depending on who's online at that given moment but being able to communicate with people and work together as a team is much more interesting to me in that game and winning with them than playing solo like i play solo here and there but it really just doesn't do much for me um you know it just it's not what i want out of that game i guess on console which is weird yeah it's it's very interesting no i can't do have friends jared (laughs) <laughs> yeah i can't do solo personally because it stresses me the heck out i like, love it <laughs> it and, and it is a different experience but i have i when i did when the few games of it i have played in solo i am i am like 10 times more stressed than when i am playing <laughs> with friends because i know if i get if i get shot from far away or something like there's still the chance that somebody can pick me up or something like that yeah it's not immediately shot. over. <laughs> yeah, if you get shot in the back end solo, it's over the end. Uh, and that really sucks. I get so stressed out in solo. Well, man, the reason I love it so much is because, like, I come from a background of playing, like, COD 4 online with, like, people on game search battles. Search and Destroy? Yeah, Search and Destroy and doing, like, competitive oh, stuff. Wow. And, like, I live for those moments, man, of, like, being stressed out. It's, like, 1v1. You don't know if you're going to kill them or not. <laughs> it's just your skill against theirs. And, yeah. uh, man, I, I love that. The thing I'll say, too, is I do not like the first-person servers, personally. I'd much rather play the game where you can switch between those two things, first-person and third-person. I think it allows a lot more strategy in the game um, because you can use third-person to look around corners or look for people in the distance, um, and obviously in first-person during firefights and stuff. I just think it's more dynamic that way than solely playing in first-person. I don't think the game is polished enough to be played solely in first person in my opinion yeah 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 the narrow the narrow range of view really bothers me (laughs) yeah a lot and i think it's hard to it's harder to loot in first person as well they they actually also announced today as of the day of recording this um that xbox has passed four million players which is huge they not too long ago announced three million players um and it's going to be interesting to see how soon they can get the desert map out to consoles I think that's going to yeah. be huge. They, they're constantly updating. It's been out six weeks, and there's been six updates. And they're constantly trying to fix things and issues with the game. And obviously, with the game that's in early access, quote-unquote, um, 
you're gonna for every issue you fix there might be another issue that arises and i think that's the biggest learning curve for the community is like yeah they're fixing the disconnect error but that doesn't mean there's not going to be other errors in place and i think that's yeah. the hardest thing that people have to figure out um but yeah, I'm loving my time with it. It's cool to see that you're, despite all its flaws, like I've talked about it on this podcast, it has a lot of issues, but man, is it some of the most fun I've had in a video game. Uh, it's so yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah, we get we get looped in. Me and my friends get looped into the just one more game, one more game mentality. And before we know it, it is me saying I should have quit. Me, me <laughs> saying I'm going to quit at like midnight or something. And then before I know it, we're still playing at 2 a.m. And I have to work in like five hours. And I'm like, what are we doing? We have to stop. We can't keep yeah. doing this, you guys. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been really fun. I've, I've enjoyed jumping into it with friends. But, uh, yeah, it's got a lot of problems. But I'm, I'm excited to see it continue to improve. And the interesting Fuji. thing, and I think that the thing PUBG has going for it is that it toes this line where it's a game that you can hop into for 40 minutes if that's all you have and play one game solo and be done with it. But it's also a game, like you said, that if you have those group of buddies and you just want to marathon game after game after game, it works both of those ends really well, yeah. I think. It's it's very good uh, in terms of like hooking you. I think once we start seeing these these bigger improvements, I think right now they're fixing all the technical stuff, um, you know, just from the game being able to run and people not getting kicked. I think for me, that's the biggest issue is players getting kicked from the match. I think having the the frame rate issues and the loading in of assets and stuff, those hurt, but not as much as you wanting people to stay in your game and continue playing it. The moment somebody gets booted out of your game, that's the opportunity for them to go and play something else. Um, yeah, yeah, and I think that's the, their primary issue that they need to fix. Obviously, there's a ton of issues they need to fix, but for me, that's like the the main thing that I think they need to square uh, square out on. Um, I guess we'll hop into news now. Uh, the first bit of news that we're going to be talking about is a release date. Uh, you know, last week we did our game of the year podcast talking about all of the games we loved from last year, um, and I think partially in that podcast too, we touched on what we what we what what what. what, what. <laughs> can't talk whoa, 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 remix whoa, 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 whoa. uh what we can expect from this year as far as games and we've been talking about the last couple of weeks when are we getting a god of war release date um there was that weird conversation between sean Layden and uh, Corey barlog at the playstation experience where he was like get your game done why are you here get your game done very weird and awkward uh but uh by way of a blog post on playstation.com uh we got the release date it's coming out uh, April 20th, 420, just plays on PS4. Uh, it was also accompanied by a new story trailer, which in my opinion gave quite a bit of the game away. Obviously, we don't know what to expect from the whole game. There was a lot more in that trailer than I than I wanted to see, personally. Um, but yeah, I think this I is... I don't think it showed that much, honestly. Like, on on personal level, I think, I think it showed its hand with some of the themes it's going to be playing yeah. with. But as far as, like, story beats, I feel like there's still a lot left to uncover. Yeah, um, and that was kind of my takeaway from that. <laughs> Ooh, look at this uh, guy! Really good trailer, though. Yeah, um, you know, a lot of people are expecting this to be coming out in March because that's kind of the the staple for God of Wars to come out in March. Um, but it's coming out a month later than people anticipated. Uh, I, I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on a the release date, like April twentieth. Is that surprising to you? Is that kind of what you expected? Um, and also. What do you think this means, um, real quick, for the rest of PlayStation's um, game lineup? You know, we have uh, Days Gone, we have uh, Detroit, and we have Spider-Man, which are kind of like the big three that we are anticipating for 2018 because we've been told as much, but we don't know where they're fitting in. So, uh, yeah, what do you guys think about this whole release date and everything moving forward? So I had thought, 
you know, this was going to be more of an, you know, in the March timing. But then, like, as we got into 2018 and each day went by in January, like, yeah, no way it's coming out in March, you know, as each day passed. And then even April was starting to feel less likely because that's not that far away, right? For a game this big, it's kind of um, shocking to see them, you know, announce the release date so close. But I think they learned from, you know, what, Uncharted 4, where, you know, having like three delays at the very end, it just kind of pissed people off a little bit. But um, so that's a good sign right there that maybe Sony's first parties are kind of just holding back that day until they're just extra, extra sure. Now, I say that now and watch this shit get delayed tomorrow or something. Um, <laughs> you never know, yeah. But, uh, it had a three-day release date window. Yeah. As far as what it means for the rest of their stuff, I still think um, Spider-Man, I don't know what they said earlier, the first half of 2018. I don't even... That's not it's happening. All, and that's yeah. Not, no, I, I want it to, but it's not. This yeah. is at the earliest, and I don't even... I, and I doubt it. The earliest, June. I really doubt it. I Probably more like August, September. For Spider-Man, yeah. I would think, um, and then Detroit. I, I, Quantic Quantic Dream tweeted out today, and they doubled down and said spring 2018 because they were responding yeah. to a fan who said something about that, yeah. and they said they said something along the lines of, "We told you it would be spring 2018, and it will be spring 2018." And so, so when does spring fish officially end? Like April? June. June is the absolute latest. No, spring. Oh. I guess I think spring is March to June. Yeah, that sounds so, right. Okay. So, so yeah. I hope Somewhere that's not the in there E3 is Detroit. Game. That's going to be a very the you know it was like Last of Us and other games. It's going to be weird if if Detroit's the E three game this year. Yeah, it's going to be very odd. Especially yeah. after everything that just came out about the studio. But. Oh yeah, that's yeah. I, I don't know why, but when you said that, Logan, I'm just imagining like a tweet saying they're reiterating Spring 2018, and then at the bottom it's like, also here's a Photoshop of one of our employees <laughs> in a sexually explicit position. Oh, <laughs> That whole thing, man. I wonder if that kind of forced their hand one way or another of, like, we need to get this out before we're even, you know, our names defiled even more. Or if, like, what if they had a release date set earlier and they kind of want this stuff to blow over by the time their game does come out? It's very interesting. Like, maybe they they had had one slated to, uh, like, push out in a blog post or something like that. And they're like, oh, we can't do that this week now. Yeah, it's like (laughs) throwing you to the hyenas. Yeah, I, I don't know. That that I I feel like that one's still definitely spring, especially because they did double it down on it today. As far as like God of War's release date goes, I had been of the mind that it would have been March initially. When that leak happened on the PlayStation Network, I was like, yeah, that seems valid. Right. And then I started thinking about it for a couple more days or weeks or whatever, and I was like, you know, it really doesn't make any sense for them to release this game in March. Even if they had planned on it, I felt like it was the smarter choice for them to push it if that March release date was initially true. I was like, oh, well, they should push it out of that slot now, even if that was the date. Uh, because the other PlayStation exclusives coming out that month are Yakuza 6, Nino Kuni 2, and MLB The Show 18. And yeah. I know all of those aren't native first-party developed games from Sony, but they are PlayStation exclusives nonetheless. So to drop a God of War in the mix of those other exclusives that they're already having come to the console really didn't make any sense to me. So I was like, they should probably put a couple weeks between God of War and these other exclusives that they have. Not that they maybe care inherently all that much about Yakuza and Sega yeah. and Nino Kuni and Bandai Namco, but like it seems like the better play for them as a company. So seeing their April release date this week didn't shock me at all. Uh, days gone, I still have no idea what to think about. I agree that Sp- Spider-Man is probably like July or August if I had to take a wild guess at it. Um 
but yeah, Days Gone. I don't know. Twenty nineteen. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't think I, that I, game hits this year. That that thing disappeared. Wouldn't so shock quick. me honestly, <laughs> yeah. but I feel like it's got to get out because it has been in development for too damn eight, long. Seven or eight years, something crazy like the, that. The worst thing that game can do is release the same year as Last of Us Two because that's the only thing it'll ever be compared to. Yeah, you know? and I think that's going to be the only thing it'll be compared to, kind of regardless. Yeah, <laughs> so, I guess. Yeah. I don't um, know. I, I actually, I actually do think that game will come out this year. I just don't know where to slot it really. Yeah, I'm assuming. I think, it. I think I predicted it a few episodes ago that at E3 they, you know, they say fall or something 2018, but then it ends up getting that push, that delay later on in the next year. Yeah. Don't forget about that. dreams too. Yeah, dreams. Yeah. About. Well, I said big games. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. I remember yeah. every night when Ouch. I fell asleep. Uh, I think going to your whole case about um, them having those other three exclusives in that in the month of March, I think on the opposite end of that, uh, but this, to the same point, is that God of War is an established franchise. People know what that is. They can release that whenever they want, and it'll sell, right? That's not something they have to like mm-hmm. work around. Yeah. I think even with Horizon Zero Dawn, as impressive as that game was, they need, still needed a strategic place it in a place where it could be more uh, most successful. Um, and it coming out before Zelda, I think, was huge, too. Um as far as Spider-Man goes, there's this weird, like, I hear people talking about it, and they're like, you know, Spider-Man, they probably want to release that uh, next to Infinity War. I'm like, do you, have you guys been pinch, paying attention at all? Like, this game has nothing to do with the MCU. Insomniac has kind of gone on record and said, like, we kind of want to be as far away from that as possible. You know, like, this is our own telling of Spider-Man. Yeah. Even Marvel Games, Bill Roseman from Marvel Games has stated, like, no, they're creating their own thing. The last thing they're going to do is release this, uh, release this anywhere near Infinity War. Um, so, with God of War coming out in April... I think that pushes Spider-Man even further because May is when, when Infinity War comes out. So I, I really don't think it's even coming out in uh, June or July. Uh, personally, I think it's their fall game, their early fall game um, for me. And it's weird because we're hearing these stories of them playing it in office from front to back. But yet we're yeah. not – no one's really played it at a press event. I mean, no one's really played God of War either, and that's coming out in April. But it's just weird to me. I, I'm kind of – I wouldn't say worried – but to the opposite end of like Microsoft not having all these exclusives, I wonder. I really hope PlayStation doesn't do the thing where they like bombard people because, as impressive as they think these these games are, some of them are going to get lost uh, if they do release them so close to one another. You know what I mean? Uh, Spider Man will sell no matter what. It's Spider Man, and I think God of War will sell no matter what too because yeah. it's you know it's a PlayStation property and people are going to buy God of War. But some of the so other we- ones like Days Gone or even dreams to that extent like they can definitely get lost in the fold if they kind of bombard people with too many exclusives like you know people have a set amount of money to spend there just because you have all these amazing games they're not going to come out uh, they're not going to spend money on them i don't know i could see back to your point about infinity war um i could see them trying to get out you know in the in months ensuing and i i never would have thought um i never would have thought this way but ever since the last jedi i've just been on a kick man I'm watching a damn kids show that's like has nothing to do with it, right? Okay, 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 I'm okay, like okay. Clones of War Clone Wars is pretty fucking awesome. All right. <laughs> you see my point though. Back, oh, yeah. yeah. It, you see my point though, it's not necessarily related. Um I don't even know if it's in the same canon anymore. Um I got like a it bunch is. of non canon books in my Amazon wish list that I really want to read. I got like a model nice. lightsaber for two hundred dollars in my, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm just on a kick Jesus of all things Star Wars. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, that would be a kick, yeah. 
maybe gearing I'm up atypical. for Solo, the Han Solo film. I- exactly. Which so still I- does not have a trailer despite it being out in three right, and a I'm half like, months or something crazy like that. Where is the fucking trailer for that thing? Though I do get you want to wait until after The Last Jedi for a trailer on that, I guess. No, you don't. You want to put what you should. They should have put one out with The Last Jedi, in my opinion, I think. Play it in yeah. front of that. Yeah, that would have been pretty it's dope, out, man. They got to. It's, it's going to be May. weird moving There's no forward. trailer. <laughs> yeah. Moving forward with Star yeah. Wars, it's going to be weird about, like, they got to be careful not to burn people out. But go ahead. I'm yeah. sorry. No, that was it. So, Jared, well, I think you're right. And, I mean, that's as good as evidence as you get as someone from Insomniac saying something like that. Uh, but I could just see some suits somewhere up top wanting to take advantage, not take advantage, but capitalize on people like me. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I think out of the ones we don't have a day for – I think Spider-Man is the most done, clearly. I think that, that one's close yeah. to being baked. Um, and I think they're just trying to figure out where they want to date it. People have these theories of, like, are people just waiting for uh, Red Dead to get a date before they date their games? Maybe yeah. for some of those games. I Probably. Don't think for, yeah, I don't think for <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man, though. I don't think you have to worry about that for Spider-Man. Uh... Spider-Man's the second most profitable superhero in the world behind Batman. Like, I don't think you really need to worry about not about selling a Spider-Man game, you know? Yeah, I don't think they're releasing near each other. Either. Oh, shit. Man, I forgot we've got a Red Dead game out within probably five months or something like that. <laughs> Jesus, That's crazy. Yeah. And we don't have a day um, for that either. Han Solo yeah. and Red Dead getting delayed. Same day. Both announcements. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. I'm fine it's with, weird. I didn't uh, realize that we don't have a solo forever. trailer either. It's very weird. Um, it's out, It's out like, I think, mid-May. Yeah. So we're four God. Talk about a Disney month, man. A Star Wars movie and Infinity War. Oof. Yep. Um, I guess I think that's it for our God of War conversation, right, guys? Uh, are we going to move on? Yeah. Sure. So the next story um, we kind of heard about last week. Actually, we heard that there was going to be a uh, an announcement for Microsoft concerning digital games. A lot of people didn't know what this meant. Some people thought it was going to be that you could resell your digital games back, which makes no business sense whatsoever. Yeah. Um, a lot of people anticipated it was actually going to do something with game sharing, which we kind of had at the initial Xbox One. Uh, fiasco, I would say, when they announced the Xbox One with all of the the online uh, potential there uh, with Don Matrick. Um, but it ended up actually being that they announced that all Microsoft Studios games, so the exclusives, the first-party games, are going to be part of Xbox Game Pass on release date. So the day they launch, you'll be able to get access to those games as long as you subscribe to the service. If you're not familiar with Xbox Game Pass, it's essentially Netflix, uh, but for video games, you pay $10 a month, you get access to all the games that are in the vault, and now we know that whenever a first-party game launches, it's going to come out on the platform day and date. Um, it's very interesting. Uh, there's there's a lot of, uh, lot of opinions on this, of whether this is positive or negative, not only for Microsoft, but for the games industry as a whole. And I kind of want to talk to you guys about it, because this has a lot of ramifications depending on how successful it is with the future Microsoft uh, exclusives, the future of retailers, a lot of stuff here to unpack. We don't have to go get too far into it, um, but I'll just give my take real quick. I think it's really cool for people who don't have a lot of expendable income. Growing up as a kid with not a lot of money to spare, I could come up with 10 bucks a month to uh, satiate my gaming needs. It's hard for me to come up with 60 bucks every month as a kid um, to buy all these new games as they're coming out. And yeah. for me, I think the value is already there. Like, So if we already know that uh, Sea of Thieves, State of Decay 2, and Crackdown 3, and this is all saying they all come out this year, all of them are going to be on day and date. That's $140. I'm assuming State of Decay will be $40. bucks, could be $30. It's not going to be a $60 release. Going by the pricing of the first game, it'll be either $30 or $40. So that's $160. Bucks. You pay $120 bucks a year for this service, so it's kind of making an effort just for those three games, and you're not talking about the back catalog, right? 
And I think the problem that people get caught up in is they're saying, well, you know, Xbox doesn't have a, enough games on there that are interested to are interesting to me. Well, that's coming from a consumer who buys the latest games and plays them and probably already played those games in the past or whatever. You're not talking about the average consumer that doesn't buy as many games as you do, hasn't played these games, and it gives them an opportunity to go back in the catalog, right? Um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting to me. I think this is positive for Xbox. This is another consumer-friendly move. They've been doing these forever. Um, once they start coming out with all of these first-party games and we start getting announcements for exclusives, that's like the last missing piece for me in this puzzle for them. They're nailing all the consumer stuff. We've said this for months now, if not a year. Um, yeah, so what about you guys? What do you guys think about this uh, first-party games coming at launch to Game Pass? So this is obviously super, super, super good for consumers. I mean, I don't think I don't see how you could any argue otherwise. Um, yeah. I mean, unless you don't have an Xbox, I guess it's not great for you, but it doesn't matter. It's at least neutral there. But um, the concern some people have is, well, how can they afford to do this? Are they still going to make money? Um, and I think they'll still make money um at least as much as they would if they left these first party games off at release because this is going to get a lot of people to subscribe to this service um and i would assume and they're banking on you know a lot of people subscribing and not trying to do the the savvy um thing i do for example with hbo now where i turn it on once a year for one month watch game of thrones and then deactivate it (laughs) um so I'm, i'm i'm they're they're banking on most people um you know, letting this thing just renew every month. Um, yep. And maybe they end up doing a pricing model where they only charge or they only let you pay for three months or six months at a time. Who knows what they end up doing if they start to notice that trend. But, but yeah, I think that there's not a concern about them not making money and, you know, losing too many sales on their first party games. I don't think that's really a concern. Here's but. the thing too, Dom, is like, so say somebody signs up for a year, it's 120 bucks, right? How many people do you know that own an Xbox that are going to buy Crackdown 3 and buy Sea of Thieves, right? So that's 120 bucks right there. They're getting that money mm-hmm. back at a, at a longer rate, obviously, not not in chunks, but how many people do you think would actually buy both of those games at full retail price? So I think they are making – I don't think they're going to be losing as much money as people think, you know, in the long no, run. No, not at all. I think it all pay back in the in the service. I mean, it depends. They I think they have a really big vision for this, and – a lot of people are kind of focusing on what we were just talking about, but I think there's a bigger conversation. We don't have to have it here, but like, there's a bigger conversation of this is kind of a huge thing for the industry in general. I mean, what uh, this is to me, it's going in one direction, like where we have eventually Xbox Game Pass exclusive games. And then you know, Sony has their service, um, Ubisoft has their service of subscription, and that's the only place you can get Ubisoft games. Things like that. Like if if this eventually turns into what we have with streaming video, I don't think that's far off if this is successful i think that's a clear path down uh, down that road which has its pluses and negatives but um that's i think a bigger conversation for me at least uh, the Dumb. digital market as a whole is like really moving in an interesting direction and moves by like this from microsoft really i don't know like i'm really curious to see what game sales look like as a whole like five to ten years from now yeah i I think it's going to be totally foreign to what we're familiar with Mm -hmm. now and i would be shocked if people are still buying holding out for physical games or something like that by that point well and to the point too everyone loves single player games and people are afraid of them going away and the the reality of the matter is single player games aren't selling very well that's just kind of the reality of the situation 
And I think this is an interesting way to breathe life into those single player experiences where you, you're not banking on people spending $60 out the gate for uh, six to eight hour, hour experience. And for us, we can kind of find value in that. I think some of us make justifications for those type of games because we understand that they do hold value even though they're eight to 12 hours long, right? But the average consumer might be like, for 60 bucks, hell no. I think having this gaming uh, subscription service allows them to finance those types of games and not have to worry about as big of a loss on them, um, which yeah. is huge. Uh, the other point too that is very weird in this is that Microsoft is the first one out of the gate as far as the big three, Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, to do this. And yet they're the ones who accepted EA Access on their platform. I, I was under the assumption for the longest time that EA Access was never even offered. I thought, I thought it was an exclusive deal between Microsoft and EA. That's not the case. EA actually went to PlayStation and offered to have EA Access on the PlayStation platform, and they denied it, which is very wow. odd. Yeah, I did not know that. that that's kind of wow. something, a, a, a tidbit of uh, information I learned from this whole thing. Um, yeah, it's it's very interesting. I agree with you, Logan, that like game sales in the next five to ten years might be marked completely different. You know what I mean? It's very interesting. Yeah. I think retailers are looking at this and like, mm, I wonder. Um, but Jordan, what is what is your take on this? Um, so correct me if I'm wrong, but these games, when they go on to Game Pass, they're not necessarily there forever, right? Uh, no, you would assume that the first party ones will be there for a long time, but there are some third party I thought, titles I on thought there. Major Nelson said something yesterday about how the first party titles are going to be there permanently, or he, at least did, that yeah. is the plan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the first party games themselves will, as far as they're planning on, will never budge off of Xbox Game yeah. Pass. And the other, the other bit of information too is that you get a discount for the full purchase of the game if you no longer yes. want to subscribe to Game Pass if you're in it. So if you subscribe to Game Pass. Uh, and you're like, oh, I want to play this. Say it's a multiplayer the game that goes on longer than you can beat it for that month. You get a discount price for the full purchase of that game if you no longer want to do Game Pass. It's what, 20% off, I think, is yeah. what it is? So, yeah, that's uh, it's pretty crazy either way, even if they do end up uh, leaving the platform at some point. But, um, I mean, this is just another huge win for Microsoft when it comes to um, kind of customer service and the, the relationship they have with the gaming community because um, we've talked before about how um, PlayStation, you know, pretty much obviously has the best exclusives, but then Microsoft really probably has the best uh, in the way that they treat their community, like building up Xbox Live and adding so many things constantly to Xbox Live and um, going out of their way to do things that they're not required to do and probably cost them money, like, um, you know, backwards compatibility and then even adding original Xbox compatibility. Um, and then, yeah, this is along that same line. So uh, especially moving into the next generation, which we are... That's um, what I was going to say. ...creeping yeah. toward, yeah, I think Sony may be remiss with the fact that they were just so... Um, dismissive of things that they weren't necessarily going to make bank on like like backwards compatibility um, and certain things like that because it it builds up in the gamer's mind and they might jump ship because of the fact that they feel so much uh, they feel like Microsoft's got their back. They have so much more support uh, for the gamer and so um, Sony might be uh, upset that they didn't uh, try to do more for the gamer in the end. Yeah, I think well, I like, think. Sorry, I I was just gonna say I think Microsoft has kind of seeded that they have 
lost this generation in terms of hard, hardware sales and in terms of exclusives and things like that as well. So to me, it seems like they have been taking these ca- calculated risks the past 18 months. And that's what this this is as well, is to kind of future-proof and prepare themselves for what the next generation is going to be. Because it seems like all of these new things they have kind of added to the Xbox ecosystem over the past year or so are all things that are obviously going to carry over right into whatever the next console is when that eventually releases next year. And you're right, that's like people moving into that are going to feel comfortable like, oh, okay, so I already know all of these things are here because Microsoft has made all of these moves and that's just going to continue moving right into the next console. Um, so I think I think that's what this is too, and I think the other thing about this as well, um, I think this is a safe. Some people are saying, "Oh, this isn't a good deal for Microsoft. They're going to lose money on this. This is a bad idea." I think this is a really safe year for them to try this because, as we said, their three exclusives that they are plugging right now is Crackdown Three, which I am personally kind of worried about, uh, even though I played the game and I really like the game. I played it at E3 totally loved what i played i love crackdown so i'm like so excited to get my hands on that game i'm mainly just very concerned that they have not spoken a single word about it since they delayed it last august do you think that's like the terry cruz effect though like terry cruz came out and was so effective in the marketing for that game during e3 and people loved him that they kind of want to inject him into more of that game i think i think sumo probably went to microsoft and was like hey the game's not ready we're gonna have to delay it and microsoft was probably like then we're not talking about it until you tell us you're exactly yeah that's how I imagine that conversation went because they're not going to spend. So it makes sense in regards to that, but still, it is like this big first-party game that we have been waiting for for five or six years at this point, and it, we have not heard about it, a single word about it in like six or seven months. It's kind of weird. I don't know. It just yeah. makes me nervous, and I'm like, I'm so freaking looking forward to that game, but I'm just nervous about it. Uh, so they've got that. They've got State of Decay two, and then they've got uh, Sea of Thieves, and those are their big exclusives for this year. And uh, I don't know if they're going to have more come year's end or not. I would hope so. Uh, but those are their three big ones so far this year. And to be honest, I think each of those is kind of a niche exclusive as well to a degree. Yeah. Um, so, and, and because of that, that's why I think it's a little bit safe to play and try this out because it's not like they're going to have a Gears and a Halo and a Fable or all these – Forza, all these things coming – Forza will come out this year. But it's not like they're going to have, like, a slew of crazy, like, six must-have Xbox exclusives, and then they announce this. Because then mm-hmm. I might be thinking, like, that's kind of weird. Why would you do that and not just have these people pick up the games that they would probably most likely pick up? Uh, to try it out in a, a time period where the exclusives that they are releasing are kind of a little bit more tailor-made to specific gamers, I can understand why they're doing this right now. Yeah, I think Sea of Thieves is going to be a big niche game. Basically, I do what too. You were saying. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to get Sea of Thieves and bounce off of it really fast. Yeah, but and that's not to thing... say it's bad, but I just think it is. I think that's going to be a time sink game that you have to find See, friends and play with and stuff like that. If really you would have said that experience. to me a week or two ago, I'd have been like, "Yeah," and it's going to just die out and just wither away, you know, after a few months. But this kind of changes that this Game Pass thing. I think if yeah, if this game is good enough, um, having kind of like we saw with rocket league going on ps plus right if 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 this game is truly good enough there's going to be people that have it downloaded and are going to be in there so it won't lack community right which some of the more live games can suffer because there's just not enough people in there doing it so it's just going to have to have continued updates and stuff like destiny yeah Destiny 2 is being plagued with right now like that's the big thing with that game i think moving forward I think that's the plan from the get-go is that it's going to be a games-of-service game where they're constantly updating it with new islands and stuff. And also mm-hmm. the fact that, like, look at all the success that Fortnite has had and its attack on Fortnite Battle Royale's attack onto a game they were working on for, like, eight years. 
yeah. that thing's having success because it's free. Like a major part yeah. of that mm-hmm. game's success is because it's free and people don't want to spend thirty bucks on PUBG. And this is the thing: is like at sixty bucks, it's like, oh, is there enough end game content there? Are you worried? Destiny Two just came out; and it's not living up to the hype. Ten bucks, and I can either bounce or continue playing it for ten bucks a month. You know what I mean? I think yeah. that opens up a huge window there. Um, yeah, it's it's gonna be very interesting moving forward. And I agree with you that I don't think they're losing. Microsoft is a very successful business, and uh, you know they they know what they're doing. Uh, so I, I highly doubt that they would do something where they're losing as much money as people are are anticipating that they're going to. Very weird. One last thing that I just can't explain, and it just it just makes my brain tick a little bit. <clears throat> Why is it not cheaper by like ten bucks if you pay for the year in advance? That just blows my mind. Why they wouldn't do that? That I, yeah, I don't understand. That might what? be something. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. Know. I was thinking about that too. I could have sworn it was a thing they were doing, and then I I looked at it and I was oh. like, oh no, it's just flat ten uh, bucks a month. Before we move on yeah. to the next story, the quick misconception I wanna I wanna take down real quick as well is that um, you don't have to have Xbox uh, Live Gold to play the single player games in Game Pass. It's only if you want to play multiplayer. Mm-hmm. So you can have Xbox uh, Live Silver and still play the single player games. Uh, or the offline experiences in Game Pass as well. So you don't even need Xbox Live Gold either, which is pretty cool. That's good. Yeah. Very quick question before we do move on. Yeah. W- when do you guys actually think Crackdown 3 is coming out? <laughs> oh, uh, gosh. Larry's worried. Uh, next, next year? Summer. November. No. I say November. I think it'll just November? be the, around the same Full date year, year delay? Holy yeah. crap. I, I agree that it's probably the Sumo wanted more time with it, but I do feel that, like, the biggest problem with Crackdown is that who's the main character of Crackdown? No one. Exactly. Terry Crews effect. And as much as it sucks to say, like, when you have a, a character that people can relate to and see and know what that character is, like, Aloy was a huge part of, I think, Horizon Zero Dawn's success of, like, having that established character, right? And knowing exactly who you're going in and playing as. I think with Crackdown, it's like, I'm going in and playing as some agent dude and running around and blowing I'm, shit up. I'm pers- I've always personally been fine with that. My biggest issue with them pushing it too far out as somebody who's played it is that when I played it, it looked old. Like yeah. it was running on an Jeez. Xbox One X dev kit. It was running on an Xbox One X dev kit, and I was like, "This is Xbox One X," and they're like, "Yeah, doesn't it look great?" I'm like, "Yeah, I guess." That could but be like, part of the delay t- too. I mean, you can shit. tell that you can tell it had been stewing. You could tell it was a game that's production probably started in 2011, 2012, something around there. Whenever it yeah. began, uh, it, 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 it again. I don't think it played poorly or anything like that. What I what I played, I came away very positive with. Um, but it just the eye test. I was like, you can tell that this has been in development since the late 360 era, like a, like yeah. a Fallout Four. But I mean, yeah, so it was just kind of like they need to get this out just so they can move on to something else. I, I, I have a, I have a feeling Microsoft's mad at them about that. Well, it could be the opposite end of that of like they just want to put enough time into it so when it comes out, it isn't a quick flop. But I mean, on that yeah. point too, I, they I've, kind I've of a, don't... I have a feeling you can't. There comes a point where you can't exactly. improve it that much yeah. as if you've been developing in a game that long. But, and I think, like, The Last Guardian is a good example of that. Like, where it came out finally and it looked pretty good, but, like, mm. <laughs> when you kind of looked a little bit closer, you're like, yeah, I can tell that this game is uh, kind of in – kind of just shoved together and, yeah. and created in its current form so that it uh, could kind of, they could kind of get it out. Well, and I guess with your point, too, is, like, I mean, Game Pass alleviates a lot of that where they don't need to release it and sell a bunch of copies at 60 bucks, Like, they just yeah. need to get it out there and let people play through the Game Pass as well. So it offers a lot of, like, weird dynamic success – I don't know. It's, 
it, it's going to be strange. Like, I, I really think that Terry Crews is going to be a bigger part of the game when we see it next. I think instead of him just doing the opening monologue, I think he's going to be like, oh, this is a game with Terry Crews in it, you know? I think they're going to kind of just like, I think Microsoft looked at it in like, yeah, the marketing is going to be tough if we just stick Terry our, Crews in it. Our Terry Crews marketing is off the charts. We need more <laughs> Terry Crews exactly, right now. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll shift into our last topic here, uh, which is... Uh, Basically, this is a huge report that came out from Jason Schreier, uh, and he titled it, Bioware Doubles Down on Anthem as Pressure Mounts. It's a very extensive article. Uh, the, the link will be in the description down below if you're watching the YouTube version of this podcast. Uh, I don't want to go through the, the article verbatim because it's a very long article. It's a very interesting read, though. So I'm going to kind of touch on some of the points of the article. If I miss anything, for those of you who have read it uh, now on the podcast, please um, you know, fill, fill the audience in with what I missed, uh, and we'll just talk about what it means for the industry and everything moving forward. Before so you start, before you start, how pissed are publishers starting to get at Jason Goddamn Schreier right now? <laughs> I mean, he wasn't—he he was blacklisted by Ubisoft for a while, wasn't he? That was like a good thing, yeah. <laughs> for the I thought that was so just leaks. I thought that was uh, the website itself because they kept leaking Assassin's Creed games. Well, probably, Pro- probably. Yeah. But that's, I think that's it, on I mean, I think it, yeah. When you blacklist, you do it by website, not by specific yeah. reporter at website or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Hey, here's your code uh, for the review. Just do not give it to Jason Trier. Thanks. Exactly. Well, the reason I say this because like he was the one for the most part breaking those leaks and yeah. stuff like that. So yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. So this article basically talks about how um, Anthem has been delayed to the first part or the first quarter of 2019. Now it's no longer coming out in 2018, um, and that basically everybody at Bioware has transitioned to working on this game. Uh, everyone at Bioware. This means people who are even working on the new iteration of Dragon Age, even the producers of that game, have moved over to work on Anthem, and they're doubling down on the production of this game. And basically what this article goes into is that people who are working on the game have felt added pressure from all the issues going on with loot boxes and uh, basically what's happened with Mass Effect as well as uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2, as well as all of the feedback, constructive feedback, that uh, Activision and Bungie are getting on Destiny 2. And they kind of feel like they need to deliver on this game. Apparently there's a lot of pressure on them from higher-ups as well that this could be the tilting point for the future of Bioware. Like, if this game isn't successful, Bioware may look a lot different after this game uh, comes out. And it basically goes into that they're they're trying to get this game out before the end of the fiscal year of 2018. So that's March 2019. And EA basically has a hard date on this. The game needs to come out before that date for our investors. And uh, it basically, the article also dives into this game went from being, oh shit, this game's fucked, forgive me for my language, to we can deliver on this game, it's just going to take a shit ton of crunch. Um, Jordan, Jordan is so pissed. He's like, his hate for EA is just burning stronger and yeah. stronger right uh, now. Well, my, I'm just thinking they wouldn't be so fucking worried about loot boxes if it wasn't already a big part of the game. Exactly. Well, uh, sorry, uh, the the Bioware devs don't Maybe. seem like it, that's an issue for them. The loot boxing, they're saying the feedback from. I, I kind of misconstrued that. I, wanna, I think I it. Yeah, I think it's just hard to create it's, a game of this nature. Is yeah, kind of what I was understanding from what I read of it. Yeah, there weren't. They weren't specifically saying that they got pressure from the loot boxes, Jordan. They got pressure from basically being under EA's umbrella after the loot box situation. Yeah, I want to reiterate that. Right, but like that's. I still think what I'm saying reigns true because. If there were no loot boxes in the game, then that really doesn't affect the... Like, nobody's going to be like, I don't want to buy Anthem because EA had so many loot boxes in Battlefront. 
no, no. I, it's basically like I, I don't want to buy a game that's being published by EA. Is basically what they're saying that they're yeah, afraid of. Yeah, it's in it's like in it's EA. in vogue. It's in it's in vogue to shit on EA now. So yeah. and they're and they're the publisher of this game that they need to be massive for their studio. Yeah. and or the, they are screwed. And these so, quotes are coming from the game developers, like the people actually working on the game. They're like, "It sucks that we're gonna we're basically gonna have to double down and kick our uh, kick ass on this game to get it out." And even if it's a good game, they're kind of worried from you know an employee standpoint of like, will the game even sell even if it's good because of the hate and vitriol for EA? Um, so it's from the employee's kind of perspective. Um, but there's a, co- a couple of conversations we can have here of A, uh, you know, Bioware in this situation, what does this mean? Uh, B, uh, have all the recent things that have been going on with Destiny 2 and Battlefront 2 as well shifted how they're going to be finishing this game and, and you know molding this game? And the last one... Um, is uh, how important is this game not only to EA, not only to Bioware, but to the gaming industry of, in terms of giving Destiny a tangible rival in that space? Um, yeah, so that's that's basically the starting point. What do you guys want to want to tackle first? Uh, let's start with the fact that we're even having the conversation that Bioware is in serious trouble as a studio, which is the most bonkers gaming discussion i think i have had in years because if you would have asked me growing up who the best developer on the on the face of the planet was i'd have told you unequivocally every single time that it was bioware and now here we are in 2018 and the worry i'm deep down worried that if anthem does not hit and is not a good video game then that studio is going to be on the Man, verge of closing because you know they'll do it insane which you know ea insane. will not hesitate to do it after which, what they did to the andromeda actually team I, I, do, I do i do disagree with that i think they would consolidate degree. i don't think they yeah close. i think restructure yeah, yeah i which they've already done after mass hmm. effect andromeda um i think the sentence bioware is closed will never which as is far, weird. as far as as far as far as all things go that EA could shake, I think, and kind of get back in the good graces of people. That is the one thing that they would never be able to shake is closing Bioware. That would a studio that's I had would, one questionable game out of their last like eight releases, and it was because yeah, it wasn't made can, by the proper studio. And you can and you can say what you want about like Dragon Age two and Dragon Age Inquisition and like. I mean, Dragon I, Age Inquisition tore up the Game Awards scene. It's like weird revisionist history on that game, though. I, that game I, like Drag- I like Dragon Age Inquisition a lot, but there's like a lot of retroactive haters. Exactly. That game, and exactly. I, don't understand. I think actually, I, I do know what the reason is. It's The Witcher Three came out, and then everybody was like, "Oh wait, Inquisition <laughs> sucks." Yeah, but you <laughs> can say that about no, most classic games, though, if you look at him that way. I don't know. I, I have a whole conversation about. Uh, that. No, like, I agree with you. Yeah. I, I liked Inquisition. Uh, yeah. Actually, the begin of their games. So they're not even the same type I, of I game. I didn't like Mass Effect Very Three. Weird. Was the one that kind of stuck out to me as a sort that's, of and I, that's my I, thoughts I, mean, I actually I think 90% of that Dragon game is great for most people I love I love the ending of Mass Effect 3 too but like people say that the ending is bad and that makes the game bad but I have so many more issues that's not just the ending that, yeah. that was my main thing with that game I had yeah. issues from with that game from like hour 2 well my issue is it turned from an RPG to an action game that's my yep, biggest issue that's one of that's my biggest issue I also think the pacing is really off and the storytelling it, I feel like the climax of that game happens in the opening 15 minutes and then the rest of it is like falling action strangely yeah. It's and crazy how I, EA has yeah. its track record of the third game in a beloved series kind of falling off because they tailor it to what they think gamers want. It's crazy. Yeah. It's almost as if that happened to Dead Space or something. <laughs> so, 
I think with Bioware, regardless, you know, basically divorced from the whole EA situation, um, which of course is affecting this, but I really think that uh, what is affecting this situation most strongly is um, Bioware itself and the way that the studio has been run. Um, regardless of what you think of Mass Effect 3, it was clearly a misstep for the studio because of how it was received. And they've had, it's kind of like what I was talking about with Microsoft earlier, um, this stuff builds over time. With Microsoft, it's in a positive direction, and with Bioware, it's been in a negative direction. They switched things up throughout the original Mass Effect trilogy, changing it right from a deep RPG in the first one to where it ended up being just kind of an action shootery type thing. Uh, in 3, then they changed up uh, Dragon Age quite a bit with the second game, then uh, of course we have the Andromeda situation, which EA is to blame for, sure, but I also believe that those guys uh, at Bioware Edmonton, is that correct, who's making Anthem? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're just as much to blame because they were supposed to be like keeping an eye on the Montreal guys and basically getting them to a point where they were ready to take on I think they've the got too leagues. many projects going on honestly yeah. like it, that's what it sounds Possibly. like to me yeah like cuz they've had at one point they had Anthem Dragon Age and Mass Effect all running alongside each other there yeah which it's, just it's does possible. not seem like a great idea but either way they the the higher ups over at uh Bioware Montreal and the veterans like Casey Hudson and such uh were supposed to be um you know, readying these guys over Hudson at wasn't at the studio at the time, was he? For what? Andromeda? For Andromeda. No, he or wasn't was there. He? he wasn't, no, he was, so he was there at the beginning of development for Andromeda, and then he left to Austin, Texas, and then he came back after the game had released. Okay, so he was, still at, Bi- he was yeah, still at Bioware. He was still at Bioware, but it yeah, was just, even, okay, that's right. Even being in Austin, I guarantee you he was in conversations about Andromeda, oh, yeah. you know, conference calls or whatever. But he's also been, um, even, like, the lead on Anthem at the same time. Yeah. So. Sure, sure. But they just the fact that they were supposed to be, you know, getting these guys ready to take on a game of that scale, and clearly that didn't happen. Whatever needed to happen, if someone needed to stand up and say, hey, you guys go work on Anthem, I have to stay here in the studio to kind of lead this project. Whatever needed to happen didn't happen. And so, like I said, it's just been a building pile now of... Um, complaints. None of them individually are enough to completely wreck a studio, especially of Bioware's uh, size and stature. But uh, over time, it looks like it's just uh, chipping away at them. And so, yeah, of course they're they're feeling the hot water. I think at this point they should be because um, they the best way to put it is you guys have been dicking around like quit dicking around and get to get your shit done because you're better than this you have more talent than what you're showing and so i i believe that anthem's going to be a great game but i also believed that andromeda was going to be a great game so yeah i'm very shaky on my uh belief in bioware at this point so that's not where you want to be yeah, and also yeah, one two thing different I... teams, like Bioware proper is different from the team that was working on Andromeda. I'm not saying that Anthem is going to be great. It could also be a flaming turd as well, but you never know. One thing I'll throw in too is, so yeah, they're, they're throwing more people onto this this project, right? What, that doesn't necessarily, you know, that that's not always the answer, right? If, if your work processes and the way you're doing things suck, um, more people 
might not help. It might even make it worse, right? Like too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they have to be watch that sort of thing because maybe their problems are a little more fundamental in the way they make games at some – and I'm just speaking vaguely. I don't really know well, how Well, talking about games, fundamental <laughs> basis of games, I wanted to touch on this because the fundamental base of any game is its engine. And the base of all EA games lately has Frost been Frostbite. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. what is the one – continuous thing we have heard from developers under EA who talk about Frostbite. Frostbite sucks. Frostbite has given us headaches. Frostbite has lengthened our development process far longer than we ever wanted it to be. Not equipped for an RPG. It sounds like, yeah, it sounds like Frostbite was the core issue after I read the whole Andromeda breakdown with what happened with that game. That seemed like the main problem with Andromeda was that they got too bogged down with trying to develop on Frostbite that their pre-production stretched, and before they knew it, they had a game that was supposed to come out within a year, and they had hardly started production on it yet. What type um, of game have you ever heard of that couldn't be made on Unreal Engine for AAA and Unity for indies? When I, have you yeah, ever I, heard an indie studio say, well, we were trying to make it in Unity, but we just couldn't wrap our heads around it or whatever? If you make an indie game, what the engine is. In you can, Unity. I don't care, I don't care what the I engine just don't is. Get why they they can don't make their, they could make their own engine in-house. Engines. They could use their own engine in-house. I don't understand why EA shoves Frostbite down the throats of all their developers, though, because they do. They want every one of their developers to use that. And I get that, and it, it's, it's, it makes sense to have parity across the games that also you're publishing. Also saves money with because, assets. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, I understand why they want to do it, but there comes a point in time where EA needs to be like, our developers are really struggling here to develop games that are not Battlefield, which I'm. The, Battlefield was the engine that Frostbite was developed for, correct? Yes. Yeah, so I think three or four. Yeah, so outside of like a handful of developers, it sounds like everybody else across the board has been like, yeah, it's really hard to make this kind of game on Frostbite, and it's really hard to oh. do this kind of game. Even on the Frostbite. Madden devs complain about it. Yeah, Madden I've seen, devs complain I've, I've about it. Yeah, complain about it too. They built a sports engine from the ground up in uh, Ignite. Is that what it was? Yeah. And uh, then all of a sudden they're like, no, let's make that frostbite too. So yeah, that's, that's an issue. Yeah. yeah they These are they the... totally, they need to get away from this. And before they start greenlighting more projects over at EA, they have to listen to their developers because if their developers are voicing these things, it's what seems to be pretty loudly to the public, to journalists, to whoever, to get that word out there. I can't imagine what the conversations they are actually having with EA is like. Uh, because I am sure there are some screaming matches internally with we do not want to develop for this engine anymore. If if, yeah. the, if those issues are as big as they make them sound like, then EA well, has to um, allow the Battlefield games to run on that and maybe whatever else is easy to develop for Frostbite that they have under their umbrella. But, man, it, because, again, in this article, it sounded like initially that was the big problem they were having with Anthem was really pushing through and trying to nail the engine and get that down for this game. So it's... I, I I'm not a fan of Frostbite. I yeah. think it works well at times, but I don't know. It's just it's trying I to fit under... a square peg into a round hole, you know. Yeah, yeah. 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 I can understand the whole oh we have to pay residuals for either Unreal or Unity, but it's just so clear that for Unreal with AAA and Unity for indies and even a little bit bigger you know kind of AA games. There's just so many different types of games that have been success- successfully made on those engines. It doesn't so even have to be those two, though. Genres. You're EA. You are the biggest third-party publisher in the video game industry. 
hire some people to do R&D, create a new engine that is more specifically tailored to specific genres of games. Like, they could do that in-house. That is not yeah. that hard. They have a war chest of money exactly. in EA. Exactly. They, they don't, they do don't deal with hundreds of dollars. They deal with millions and billions. Like, if, 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 if Guerrilla Games is out there making their own engine for Horizon, and now they're going to Decima, for that, right? And now, I think yeah. it's a Decima engine. Like, if they, if they have the ability to do that under Sony, then... I mean, I know, I know EA is not the same size as Sony because Sony's in all kinds of other tech stuff. But, like, dude, like, allow, allow your de- – your de- start doing R&D. Start, doing, start, yeah. start creating other engines more specifically tailored to other genres because they got to get away from Frostbite. Or better modifying uh, Frostbite for different types of yeah, games. something like that. Have, like, a team internally who does that stuff that maybe splinters off from – People who have worked at Bioware or something like that. Not figure it out, EA. Just yeah. figure it out. I don't have all the answers, but just figure <laughs> it out. Um, I guess we'll get into final thoughts real quick before we close out the show. So, um, I mean, the the big thing for me is I I have faith in Anthem just for the simple fact that Casey Hudson is heading up the project, and Casey Hudson uh, was there for for Kotor. He was there for Jade Empire. He was there for all three Mass Effect games. Like I have faith in him personally. Uh, even the the one of the game producers, Jonathan Warner, has come out on Twitter and talked about how they are keeping like he specifically has stated in replies to tweets like we're paying attention to what's happening with Destiny Two. Like we know what's happening with microtransactions. We're doing the most we can, and that's a whole conversation of like how far is EA down their throat of needing to implement that stuff. So you know what I mean. But I mean Casey Hudson gives me enough faith. Also. I really want somebody to come out with a competitor for Destiny. I think that's the biggest problem with that game is that it just doesn't have anybody to compete with. And there's games as services, don't get me wrong, there's The Division and there's uh, Rainbow Six Siege to an extent, but they're not the same type of game. Warframes kind of ballooned into a big thing overnight. (laughs) I guess it did it over the course of four or five years. but I would have to disagree that that has the depth that even Destiny has, and I don't even think Destiny has much depth. But I, I do think it needs a big AAA competitor uh, in that same sci-fi genre, and I hope Anthem is that. Um, I mean, going to that point too, I think Anthem has to deal with you need to be good out of the gate and you need to have enough endgame content because Destiny 2 is going to quickly realize and Activision is going to realize that Destiny 2 is in a different position than Destiny 1. When Destiny 1 came out, the first DLC was, was uh, not handled well and people didn't enjoy it. And then by the time... Um, uh, not What is it? Iron... Name's escaping me. No, not Iron Banner. The second DLC that kind of shifted the entire game. Anyways, Rise of Iron. Uh, Rise of Iron. When that when that DLC came out, people jump back. Yeah, it's a it's it's a <laughs> multiplayer mode. Um, when that DLC came out, it totally shifted the way people looked at Destiny, and people jumped back on board. We're in a different state Isn't in video games now. King? Uh, Taking King. Yes, that's the one I was thinking of. Um, yeah, that's the one a, that shifted everything. Exactly. Um. And the problem R- now is... Rise of Iron was the final one, I think. Yeah. The very last expansion. Uh, with yeah. Destiny 200, we're in a different position now that even though if the next DLC comes out and is great, Destiny didn't have the competitors that Destiny 2 has now. There isn't the Rainbow Six Sieges and the Divisions and even the Sea of Thieves to some extent. I know that's more of a niche audience, but like... The, what's the Ghost Streak on... Uh, Wildlands? Wildlands. Is yeah. that going on still? There's there's games that... Even PUBG to some extent. Like There's games yeah. a dozen now that it has to compete with. Um, and that wasn't the case when the first Destiny came out, and I think that's already behind the bar. People are already talking about, like, internally Activision might lose money on stocks because investors don't think Destiny 2 will ever recover. There's a whole conversation happening there. Back to my original point of, like, I think that's another huge hurdle for Anthem is not only are they going to be crunching to get this game out on release, they need to make sure there's a tail there. 
You know what I mean? And it's, it's yeah. I think this. Well, game there's is, that. Well, I I just want to I just want to throw in that the, the thing I think that was that's always been obvious with Anthem too is that the second we saw it was oh this is EA's this is EA's Destiny which means they expect a lot of revenue streams from that yeah. game which I guess brings it back to it doesn't have to be loot boxes but they that is their microtransaction baby that they are they're going to look to get extra revenue from and I'm wondering how much the whole Battlefront situation has shaken things up because. Like I said, it doesn't have to necessarily be loot boxes that are coming from that game, but they have to be evaluating very, very carefully what the microtransactions well, are that they're implementing in that game because, like it or not, this game is being, I don't want to say created with that in mind, but uh, EA as a publisher I know is definitely looking at it and they are thinking of it that way. And how can, how can, how can we farm more money from this game rather than just $60 a pop or whatever? Exactly. But on the same sense, they also have their, their safety net of their sports games who rake in a, an asinine amount yeah. of money with ultimate team. So ultimate team makes like a couple hundred million a year, right? Or something I think more like that. than that. Yeah. Close to a billion. Maybe it's insane, which is that there's a it's whole conversation stupid. of EA might move that to uh, Madden and NBA are in their subscription service. And they're like, kind of like, well, game pass where they come out on it. And then they just expect to make so much money from ultimate team. Yeah. Which would be insane. Um, but like, yeah, my last closing thought is like, I destiny people who love destiny need Anthem to be great. And I think, EA's success is dependent on Anthem as much as Bioware's success is. Uh, when we did our predictions episode earlier this year, uh, Logan and I said that I don't think EA will have the same leadership this year. So I don't think Patrick Wilson will be the lead. I, I think they need a complete revision as far as marketing and PR and even branding. So after, after the end of this fiscal year, you think they'll shake things up? I think by December, we will see somebody else leading EA. Okay. Yeah. I just I think they're that in a position be, where I, they need I feel to like PR it, the hell out of it and get a new face and get a new brand and I feel and like everything. that would happen around March then at the end of their fiscal year I feel like yeah. they would potentially shake things up especially before E3 because they're not going to have Soderlund going into E3 and if they feel like he's going to get bad press I don't think they're going to send him in there to die or something like that yeah uh, I, those I, are, I don't know those yeah. are my closing thoughts what about you guys it's a bold strategy caught <laughs> I got I have one closing thought. If the next Anthem trailer doesn't feature music from Good Charlotte, then it's just fucked. It's just done. <laughs> oh, All right, Dom. Sit down. <laughs> I guess my closing as far as Anthem goes, um, despite the turd that was Mass Effect Andromeda and despite how negative I was on that game in a lot of respects, uh, I still want to believe in Bioware and the concept of flying around with some fellow Iron Mans an anthem sounds like a good time to me. I continue to hold out hope for the game. The concept, at least, I will say, I'm on board with the concept. It just has to get into, as you said, the amount of content within the game and what it, what the minute-to-minute gameplay is like is what I, I think I'm kind of waiting to see a little bit more of. Um, I'm still very excited for Anthem. I wish it would have come out this year. Like, yeah. And it hasn't, been, it hasn't even been officially delayed yet, even though it's pretty much has um but yeah i really want to play that game this year but we'll we'll, we'll see I'm the other thing too to that point is i wonder what the taste difference is for people who like actually playing gameplay in third person because it's opposite of destiny where when you're in the cities it's yeah. first person when you're playing it's third whereas destiny it's opposite so it's gonna be interesting to see how that goes too i like anthem more as far as playing in third person so for that kind of game love yeah. it third person for the win um bioware edmonton needs to get their shit together and more importantly than anything else for me, I want you guys to let Drew Carpition 
write a dope ass story and don't give me some destiny one four hour bullshit so yeah beautiful sci-fi epic oh man i'm on board with that i haven't i haven't read a drew story in a long time yeah. Uh, real quick, uh, do you guys think we're gonna get the next uh, display of Anthem at E3 or Game Awards? You think it's a lock for E3? Uh, yeah. Yes, it has to be. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, oh yeah. I think that's it for the episode. Let's get into what we're gonna be playing next week. Um, so for me, Celeste seems like it's coming out to good reviews. So I think I'm gonna probably end up be picking up that. Uh, I got a ten from IGN, which is insane. What are you getting it on? Uh, Switch? Switch. Yeah, Switch. That's my, that's my indie baby now. Any Anytime a PC port of an indie oh, game or anything. Uh, I'm waiting for Owlboy 2, Night in the Woods I'm waiting for out. Yeah, I'm waiting yeah. for Owlboy. I'm Damn. waiting for Hollow Knight. Just I'm trying to get the first Owlboy. Dead Cells got announced today for Switch 2. Yes! Excited for so, Dead Cells. A lot of good games come with Switch. I need, a, I need to pick up Darkest Dungeon 2 because I own it on PC, but I want to get it on Switch. Oh my gosh, that game stresses me out, dude. <laughs> um, yeah, what stresses I, you out more, Darkest Dungeon or... Solo PUBG. Uh, good, good uh, <laughs> Darkest Dungeon, because it's got so many more systems you got to yeah. manage, too. You're like, oh, cool, my guy's dead. That's basically Darkest Dungeon. Yeah, there's a, yeah. There's a lot of layers to that game. Like an onion. Um, it's like, the reason I think like I don't want to play Dark... <laughs> the reason I don't want to play Darkest Dungeon is because it just feels like... I don't want my characters in my party just, like, complaining at me. Like, uh... I'm stressed out. I'm yeah. tired. I've got PTSD. Shut up. I, I think that the, the thrill people get from it is the same thrill people get from Sims, except there's more gore. Like, I like Darkest Dungeon. I don't really like Sims. Anyways, uh, the other game, uh, I was actually debating between uh, Dragon Ball Fighters and Monster Hunter World. I think I'm going to wait on Dragon Ball Fighters just because it's a fighting game, and I can wait a little bit for that. Um, super pumped, though. Huge Dragon Ball fan. Uh, and Monster Hunter World, I was on the fence. I was like, I'm going to get it if it's getting really good reviews and if it's actually an entry point for people who have never played. It's getting fantastic reviews. Uh, I talked about before the show, before we started recording, that everyone who's reviewed it has said that this isn't a super easy entryway for people who are new to Monster Hunter, but it's probably going to be the easiest it will ever, ever will be. Um... So I'm I'm jumping headfirst in. I got it pre-ordered. I down I bought it earlier today after all the reviews had come out. Um, so yeah, I got some weird like pre-order bonuses of like a fairy bracelet or something. Um, there you go. Wear it around. And uh, I I'm uh, if I have time I'm getting to Wolfenstein too. I was supposed to get to it this week, but like I said, I had I had no time to play anything. So <sighs> about time. Yeah. About time. Why are we even recording this shit right now if you haven't finished that game? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Uh, that's pretty much it for me. Uh, what about you guys? Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Which one? The first one? Is it the first the very one? F- yep, yep. Okay. The, I just finished really Dream through them, yeah. Okay, I just finished Dream Drop for the first time the other day. So Happy? Satisfied? I didn't really like it. I think it is the worst of the ones I have played. So. <laughs> Can't wait. He does this every time. I like Sanctuary more, personally. <laughs> okay, well, probably time to end the podcast, then. What are you playing? You didn't even say what you're going to be playing. <laughs> I know, but Logan just first moved off. No, um, Sanctuary is better. All, yeah, no, I mean, like, all the Kingdom Hearts music is fucking dope, but Simple and Clean is really fucking simple and clean, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. Um, so, it is time, gentlemen, to take up your axes and join the hunt. For monsters, I'm getting it. I'm getting it tomorrow too. 
So, you guys are both getting I on PS4, so... though, right? Well, obviously, Jordan. Yeah, my fr- my friends are my friends are there. I yep. trust me. I considered Xbox because of the I got the One X, and I was like, it'll probably look better, but. Uh, You'll probably get bonuses my, for PS4. Like there'll probably the DLC will come earlier. Yeah, yeah. it's a smarter bet. I, I think my friends, my bet. friends are my friends are all going PS4 as well. So I'm like, oh well, if I want to play this game multiplayer, I guess that's where I gotta go. Yeah, completely. Understand. I am super fucking pumped for this game. And uh, Logan, I've been talking about playing Neo recently, and um, I know a lot of people are kind of worried about how complicated Monster Hunter World might be, but. Uh, Neo is also complicated as fuck, so I think that's a pretty decent primer. And um, really, yeah, that's the biggest thing, is I think this is going to scratch that Bloodborne uh, slash Neo itch. Um, I'm sure that it'll be different in some ways, but I do think... Yeah, I I'd do say think that's it'll... comparable because I played the beta, and when I killed a monster, it was that same sort of release of endorphins. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. I was yeah, like, oh, yes, yep. I, that, was, yep, yep. that was satisfying. So. so, yeah, I definitely feel like it'll be in that category or uh, mind space, I guess. And so uh, that's probably what I'm most excited for on that front. And then, yeah, um, I guess we don't know yet, but uh, you mentioned Dead Cells coming out on the Switch, and I'm very fucking excited yeah, for that. That's that not out for a while, awesome. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. not for a while, but uh, might be picking up Celeste. And I still haven't gotten around to uh, Lost Sphere that came out earlier this week. So One of my friends played that. He liked yeah. it. That's the that's the one that I am Setsuna guys, right? Yes, yes. Tokyo yeah. RPG Factory, I think. Yeah, man. Think some cool. of the some of the harshest things I heard about that game were like plan words. Were like, man, this game is tedious and boring and repetitive. It's like it was made in a factory. I'm like, <laughs> Jesus. Hey, it's better than Matt makes games. Oh God, yeah. That's a that's a that's a show meme that you probably don't know about, Logan. So just leave yeah, that we had this whole. I had this whole <laughs> thing, this di- diatribe I went on where I'm like. If you're going to be a creative, artistic person, then don't name your thing like, Jordan makes music. That shouldn't be the name. Probably there was, not. There yeah, was a game we talked about that, that the devil's called Matt Makes Games, and then he went on this whole... I think yeah. I've heard of that, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's I Celeste. Think I, I think I know who that is. So you're so creative, and yet your name is like the least creative thing ever. Um, yeah, yeah, Matt. That's been I a think, yeah, Matthews band. I think I'm going to get uh, Monster Hunter and Celeste as well, and then... Uh, Gotta finish knocking out my Shadow of the Colossus review. If you want to read that, check out DualShockers.com Tuesday uh, is when that'll go live. And then I want to get back into it. See, that's Are the you? thing. I'm buying Monster Hunter tomorrow, but uh, I think I'm just going to go back to Assassin's Creed Origins instead once I finish up with Shadow of the Colossus. How far are you in without spoiling anything? Because like, I've beat it. So in, a- in Origins? Yeah. Uh, like 12 to 15 hours, and I am... Uh, I finished the first wave of dudes you gotta Got kill, it. Got it. and now okay. I'm on to the second wave. Yeah, and I'm starting down the first path to go kill one of those dudes. I think it's the scare wave specific, like that. Yeah, yeah. Man, I I love that game so much. Like, there's it a whole so good. I really like it. There there's a there's an aspect of it that I didn't even know about till after I finished the game of. Uh, if you walk into the desert for long enough and you're just in the desert, like the big desert areas, uh, you start seeing things that aren't real, like. That's awesome. it's really cool, and there's a bunch of different ones. There's like uh, Scarabrain and a bunch of those. I don't want to ruin for you. Uh, so oh, that's out. an achievement, Scarabrain. Yeah. Okay, yeah. now I know how to unlock right. that. Thank you, Jared. <laughs> no problem. Achievement unlocked. Uh, keep it locked here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it Jesus for episode Christ. 85 of the Controlled Interest Gamecast. Uh, Logan, let me know where they can find you. Uh, you already mentioned the review that's going up on Tuesday, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be Tuesday over at Dual Shockers. Uh, other than that, if you want to listen to 
Uh, I guess my own podcast we do a gaming podcast over at modelcitizensmedia.com the name of the podcast is Millennial Gaming Speak uh, go to that website you can find all the other podcast stuff we do uh, and then I guess Twitter as well if that's a thing you can follow me at moreman12 hell yeah look at all of his spicy VR chat meme tweets it's not a thing but are you guys familiar no, with VR not. chat the whole thing with VR chat with <laughs> yes, like do you know Dwayne obsessed with it yeah. yes. oh, do you God. know Dwayne Jared yeah, the whole video of like the kid, right the the dude that's like Morty, but he's like saving some dude from having a seizure. Have you guys seen that video? It oh, is insane. That, what? Somebody in real life has a seizure, but he's playing VR chat, and everyone gathers around him and tries to help him through his seizure. It's insane. I've only seen like in all VR. The knuckles, like, yeah, it's like a weird like chanting. It's like a weird Ready Player One like alternate story or something. It's like all these <laughs> characters, trademark characters, dude. Like help me. It's very weird. You should look it up. Yeah, I Anyways, want to see that. Um, that's been episode 85. Thank you guys. If you can, please follow us on iTunes. Uh, if you can, subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, we've got a huge influx of uh, subscribers lately, which is really cool. Not, not huge. It was like eight people, but that's awesome. That's huge for us. <laughs> I was going to um, say, like, what are we at, 10K, boy? No, no. It's huge for us. Uh, slowly making our way through. Uh, thank you again, Logan, for joining us. Um, yeah, no problem. We'll, we'll have him back again uh, throughout the year. Uh, definitely, hopefully, if he's able, to, if we're able to make it work um, for our E3 for prediction sure. stuff. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it, guys. We'll catch you guys in the next one.